Hey everyone, you're listening to episode number 42 of the Elysium Project podcast, Psychedelic Assisted Therapy with David Harder. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share this episode and visit us online at www.elysiumproject.ca. Our brand new marketplace is now live with fair trade products and original artwork from individuals all around the world. Your purchases directly support the individuals behind the work, as well as 10% of every purchase goes towards this year's charity, the Fruit Tree Planting Foundation, www.elysiumproject.ca. Joining us on the podcast today is David Harder. David is one of the founders of the Atma Journey Center located in Calgary, Canada, which is the first legal psychedelic assisted therapy center of its kind in Canada. David, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is a very first of its kind concept here in Canada that we have a legal alternative now for people looking to do psychedelic assisted therapy how did this whole journey begin for you yeah wow like so many it's been on the radar for decades of um, knowledge about the fact that the, these medicines exist and they're effective but it's just really been in the last probably 18 months that it's really raised its head in in you know, public companies and private companies not-for-profit companies that are working openly talking about psychedelics so it's really been been a huge growth in the last year and a half uh, where there's just so much activity happening now it's just hard to keep up to uh, after a period of decades of of silence where it was just not allowed to be even studied hardly so it's 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 been an exciting time to be alive yeah it really is if if you had told me this like we said 10 20 years ago I would not have uh, I would not have believed that this would be taking place now so it's a, a hu- huge step forward and uh, like you say the past year and a half or so has been just an explosion we're hearing about it all the time so what exactly is it that you're doing here at the Atma Journey Center in Calgary yeah so when we started even a year and a half ago we had a very clear drive to provide retreat setting therapy uh, very quickly realizing that it was going to be a long process before we got to openly being able to do psilocybin or other psychedelic retreats. Ketamine is on board now. There's quite a bit of work being done with ketamine, but we focused specifically on psilocybin or magic mushrooms, which meant it's going to be some time before we can get back to our original vision of retreat center offerings. So that led us to really focusing on what we believe is going to be the tip of the arrow in psychedelic therapy, which is the therapists. So we've developed a lot of training, um, working with trials for uh, therapists to be able to experience psychedelics in a trial setting, clinical trial setting, um, and even developing resources and support systems for therapists that when this becomes legal and when it's able to be used fully, uh, the therapist will really have the resources they need without quitting their full practice and going into full-time psychedelic work that they can come alongside of Atma and work with us to become a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist. So that's a Where, lot in a short sentence, but it's, <laughs> it's been quite a journey. 
So where exactly is kind of the the legality status of it right now and who can who can apply to to be a part of these programs? Yeah, like a year two years ago, there was applications in for Section 56. I'm sure many people have heard that term thrown around, Section 56 exemptions, which is a mechanism that Health Canada has used to allow people to access medicines that aren't technically allowable to be used. So psychedelics fall under that. And there was a lot of initial push to get a lot of Section 56 exemptions from the psychedelic community and medical communities for people to access it. It was a very, very small funnel that Health Canada allowed through. They opened it up for a few therapists in the very beginning and then shut that down. And January, uh, just this last year, January 2022, they moved the access for psychedelics from the section 56 to what they call this special access program. Um, so they encourage people a go after clinical trials because they want the data to show whether this is effective and safe. Uh, and B, if there's not a clinical trial, then they need to go through the SAP program, special access program, which is a doctor driven application that your, your doctor has to apply on your behalf and take responsibility for the process of the psychedelic treatment. Uh, and then third, if though neither of those work and it's urgent, really tight timelines, there are very, very few exceptions that they will open up for, again, the Section 56 exemptions. So at APMA, we've been treating people for palliative care under the Section 56 exemption program. Uh, we've had quite a few people come through that, uh, but it really is a trickle compared to what we believe is going to be needed in mental health, in PTSD, in palliative care, in all these fields, addictions, where it's going to be millions, not mm-hmm. dozens. We're like right now we're dealing in single digits as opposed to the, the thousands of people that are going to be coming through looking for this treatment from their therapist very soon. Already therapists are telling us this. Clients are coming to them going, where can I access psychedelics? Because I've heard that it works for my depression or my anxiety. Um, so it really is becoming a bottleneck that uh, we're trying to figure out how to move this through quicker and get Health Canada on board to really open up the doors, not just in case-by-case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Where did this journey start for yourself and, and the team at Atma in wanting to provide this to the general public? Yeah, I think most people in the psychedelic space, well, it's kind of hard to say that too. There's a whole sector that is strictly a financial play for them. But most people that really have a passion for this work come through their own work that they've done with psychedelics, be that going down to Peru or working in the underground, uh, discovering the power that these medicines can have in our own personal journeys uh, as individual humans. And so that's the case for Atma, where all the principal people that have that have launched this thing together, uh, my business partner and my wife and a lot of the folks that are doing the, the real grunt work. It all comes out of personal experience, out of their own personal work, things that have happened to them and things that they've been able to heal through psychedelic medicine, through psychedelic psychotherapy. Um, It really is a personal testimony of people's lives that have been changed and now want to help see this brought forward uh, for the masses because we know there's a mental health crisis that is not going away and we need to address it. And these tools can be very effective in helping address that problem. Totally. Do you see, do you foresee in the next 
let's say two years here that uh, like you said there's kind of a bottleneck in the system right now where you only have a small trickle of patients that are allowed to access this do you see in the next like two-year time frame that this is really going to open up I do. I feel the next step is probably going to be the palliative care piece where we're, there's a number of people pushing together uh, to Health Canada to get this opened up, not just for applications one-on-one from your doctor, but fully open where doctors can just refer people without any paperwork mm. to Health Canada. So I feel that, that I, nobody knows for sure. I mean, anything can happen. But uh, we're, we're quite optimistic that that's going to be the first piece that opens up. We hope within the next year, that anybody that is accessible to the MAID program, the medical assistance in dying, also has access to psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Uh, That's something we believe is a no-brainer. If people are allowed to take a terminal dose of uh, a medicine to take their life because the pain is just not bearable, why would we not open up this opportunity for them to have an experience that could help them not just cope, but we've seen stories with the people we worked with being able to have really productive lives for the last months or weeks or whatever it is that they have to live rather than choosing to take their own life. Mm -hmm. So that's a first step. Mental health. um, Yeah. A couple of years, maybe, I don't know. The things are moving all of a sudden there's a big movement like BC decriminalized small amounts of hard drugs just this week. So all of a sudden there could be a shift, there could be an announcement, and all of a sudden the whole landscape changes. Based on the current trends and the speed that things are going, it's going to be a while. Okay. Uh, but we hope that there's surprises along the way. Yeah, yeah. Because it kind of seems like it's the case of there, there's just so much information out there right now and people, the general public, hearing about, uh, as you said, that psychedelics can and in fact often usually do help with mental health and so much information out there but just the, the, the government and the legality around things and what we can and can't do legally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do hope that uh, that opens up soon a little bit more. Likewise, yeah. We're optimistic. We're uh, realistic. <laughs> Clinical trials that we've been involved in, uh, we've been applying for this trial now that we're going to be actually treating. Everything is done. It's all approved. Uh, but it took us almost a full year to get that application process through the Health Canada departments. Yeah. Anything involving government uh, is not quick. So, (laughs) yeah. It's going to take time. And are you, you said you are doing clinical trials then at your facility as well? Yeah, we're we're scheduling our first clinical trial. It's a safety trial with uh, a full spectrum extract of magic mushrooms. Uh, for therapists. It's an N20, which means 20 participants will be, will be part of that. Uh, and it is also geared to helping therapists to be able to experience what it's like to go through a psychedelic trip and also to sit with their, co- with their peers who are in the psychedelic. So we really want to be known as a practical, hands-on uh, coaching company that's going to come alongside therapists to really be able to deliver effective treatment that they understand not just from academic not just from knowledge but they understand experientially and having been with others on psychedelics what it's like to do this treatment so that when clients come to them it's not just another pill academic thing that here this pill does this for you but it's it's a it's a known 
um, felt, experienced, lived mm. uh, process for them that when they're working with their clients, they really know what they're doing. Uh, like the underground, if you look at what's been going on for decades, these people, underground therapists are very experienced in psychedelics themselves. They know what that's like. They've done their own work and they're able then to come and provide this for other people. Most cases, there's always exceptions to everything. <laughs> but that's what we want to see happen in the above ground, that it's not just another medicalized system, that we work within the medical system, but it really is a different process. There's a spiritual side, there's a mystical mm. breakthroughs that can happen. And you can't put that into you know just a molecule and <laughs> define what's going on in your brain. What is that spiritual part that is, that is, uh, that is happening? Yeah, I love that the concept of the experience and as is often spoken about in sort of the field of psychedelics, this idea of set and setting within the, within the experience itself. So that brings me to the question, I'm curious, what, what does a, a session and experience and journey look like with what you're doing at Atma? Well, we have all the requirements of Health Canada. So we have to check in on blood pressure and make sure we've had a case. So we had to actually postpone a, a treatment because blood pressure was too high and it just felt like it was a bit too high risk. Um, we know these medicines are very, very safe. So likely everything would have been fine, but it's also a lot of scrutiny. And so we want to be ultimately careful of uh, making sure everyone is very safe. We always have at least two sitters present uh, for the safety of the client. Um, and often there's different personalities that the person going through the treatment resonates with more with one or the other person. Like we have a psychiatrist that works with us who's brilliant and also a nurse that uh, works still with, with AHS, Alberta Health Services, and has been doing these uh, treatments, the relational side of the, the treatments with our palliative care. Uh, so it's in our office. There's a really nice setting, lighting, trying to make it comfortable. It's a couch situation. You've seen many different situations like this, field trip and numinous. And mm. um, it, it's very common taken from the underground uh, protocol set and settings. Um, music, obviously, that plays a big factor typically. Um, so very similar to what you'd see in even an underground setting. Uh, we tend to use headphones and eye shades, but again, it's a very individual thing. Um, it's solo at this point, although with the, the trials that we're doing, we're pushing for more group uh, therapy, okay. which is right back to what our original vision is, is, which is retreats and providing this kind of therapy in a retreat setting, which I, I feel the community aspect is a, a massive piece mm -hmm. in psychedelic, effective psychedelic therapy. It's having community to truly integrate with. Uh, right. That becomes a big part. So that's, um, that's something we're moving towards, although so far we've been doing individual therapies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems that, as you said, in the underground and in typical um, indigenous practices that I know of anyways, mm -hmm. it's typically in a, in a group setting. Um, yeah. So that, that would be definitely really cool if we could uh get to that point yeah and yeah. what is your program look like you talked a lot about training the therapists and sort of the next mm -hmm. generation of psychedelic practitioners so what it what does that program look like that you're offering yeah it's in process right now we have an introduction to psychedelic assisted psychotherapy uh it's a four-week course 
it's a really broad overview of the whole how it works the different players we bring in uh subject experts on various areas like dr tony bosses from new york university does a session on uh, palliative care um erica dick from the u of s uh, saskatchewan uh, does a piece on the history she's a brilliant historian uh just for example there's about eight or ten 10 12 teachers that we use in that introduction course and then there's a live component where we have q a's with these professors coming in to answer questions for the students so that's a really a really strong piece but it's very introductory and then as we've developed this working with health canada working with the trials process uh, the second course is going to be a much more extended and we're starting that next fall which is going to be about a hundred hours or so of of learning and there'll be a lot of um, content for them to learn in, in video streamed stuff and then a whole coaching program that is going to be very much hands-on working with the therapists in an actual real world examples of treating people with psychedelics and them experiencing the psychedelic trip themselves mm. as part of the training so that that we're really excited about because we feel that's going to really launch people into being able to provide this in their own clinics when it's fully legalized uh, so we're we're kind of ahead of the curve in terms of it's not available to do publicly yet right uh, that we can't train them and they're going to go the next day and start offering psychedelics but we know it's coming how it's going to come we don't know for sure uh, but the i believe the groundswell is so big that it's it would take a pretty <laughs> monumental thing to happen for this to get derailed mm -hmm. completely now yeah um, we all need to be very cautious and move with with courage but with a lot of caution and not screw this up but i i feel like the train has left the station that it's really it, it's moving and the public is demanding that this be made available because they see that the traditional treatments aren't helping right and, and as far as what is available right now you said it's mainly psilocybin and which is magic mushrooms and uh ketamine you had said is also on kind of on the radar or being yeah i would say ketamine is first it's very widely available now okay you can go into clinics in vancouver toronto most major cities across the u.s um, there's ketamine clinics in calgary right now offering uh, ketamine therapy um, personally it's not my medicine I, I value what they're saying about it it's helping a lot of people and i it's great that it's starting to be offered uh, so that is definitely and it's also not a uh, pure psychedelic it's a, a very different kind of uh, process that's happening so if you want to talk about psychedelic therapy it's not actually a psychedelic therapy mm. although it's being lumped in with it because it's such a, a similar mechanism that's happening um psilocybin is available but only in a very very small case-by-case -case basis and that's through the sap program so i think maybe 20 people have been treated with that program so far it's it's very small there's a lot of applications and we're going to see a lot of approvals happening in the next probably weeks and months but again you're talking maybe dozens not thousands yeah and that so, was for the you, the palliative care program for palliative okay care. yeah there's been a few that they're starting to open up for mental health now with the sap program if it's an extreme situation so there's a lot of criteria mm. that go with those application forms and you have to have a doctor that's going to sign off and assume all the risk for that program right. so that's made it very tough for people that want to access it they go to their doctor and their doctor says what you're nuts you can't do psychedelics it's not <laughs> beneficial mm. 
because there still is a lot of stigma oh, in yeah. the medical community. It's not widely open yet. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who are hesitant of this, who are new to understanding psychedelics and and have only heard maybe the the bad things about it? Yeah, um, there's a lot of tons of resources and books and articles and videos and YouTube videos you can watch. Um, it depends on your personality too. If you're a researcher and you need data, look up New York University and Johns Hopkins and Imperial College of London and look what they're doing with the studies. Uh, a great example was one of the employees we had working for us, he was a university professor, um, came to us and had never done any research or understanding of what these medicines were. And after just a couple days of looking into what was happening and the results that are happening and having worked in the medical research facilities, uh, he's, why are we not doing this? Like, as soon as he saw the data, it's not just stories. Like, the stories are there. There's millions of stories of people's lives. Right. But the data is there now, too. The data to prove double-blind studies and peer-reviewed articles. Um, this is not hard to find. And if you're wondering if this is a real thing, just scratch the surface. You'll find <laughs> so much data and proof that this stuff is working. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned stories there. Have it, what, what are some of the experiences that some of your clients have had? Yeah, I go back to the very first one we treated on January 1st, uh, 2021. Um, sorry, 2020. Yeah, 21. He only lived for three, for three weeks after the treatment. Mm. So it's not a panacea that's going to heal all ailments. Mm. Uh, he had cancer and serious cancer. Um, but you talk to his, his partner now who still is advocating for this. She's like, he came back and we actually lived for those three weeks. Whereas the three months prior to that, he was comatose on the couch. And after the treatment, he was able to get up. He started exercising again. He started interacting with the, the family and the, the dog wow. <laughs> and the, being able to actually live. Uh, so that is just such a testament to what can happen when people come to terms with death it's mm. not like just a rewiring of the brain and all of a sudden you're happy <laughs> it's it's a consciousness awareness that happens through the through the journey of the trip where people can then face whatever it is that they're facing whether that is palliative care end of life uh, diagnosis or depression or anxiety or ptsd or addictions and that's why it works for us such a cross section of of treatments is because it's addressing the inner consciousness. It's addressing that spirituality core of us that is struggling with life. And so how do we come to terms with who we are as a human? And then we are able to do, uh, deal with some of these external things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask, but I guess you kind of just answered it. What, what do you think it is about these experiences and these substances that are really providing those, the catalyst for that change within people? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> it's just not a traditional therapy. It's, and that's why I think the protocol is so important to work with somebody, whether it's a licensed therapist or a psychologist or somebody, community, uh, friends, people that can walk through that process with you, because sometimes these can be so very deep in terms of opening things up in our, in our psyche and our consciousness mm-hmm. that to then just be left. Um, I've heard people come back from Mexico or Peru, or they come back to Calgary or whatever, 
And they're like, I don't know who to talk mm, to. Mm-hmm. This thing happened and I've just had my whole world turned upside down and I need to figure out how to process this because I, I can't figure this out. Mm. And so uh, the support is really important. That's totally. where Atma feels quite strongly that we need to be doing this in the context of therapists or counselors that can help you walk through this, that understand the psychedelic experience and that understand psychology of the human. So they're able to put these pieces back together and help people make the changes that they need in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Looking to the future, are you planning to really expand what you can offer in terms of psychedelics? We kind of talked on this with some of the other substances, but are there, you know, we mentioned that a lot of people go down to Peru and there's all sorts of um, medicines that have been used for many thousands of years what's your what's kind of your future goals with this yeah i i feel like in the right setting um it really doesn't matter what medicine you use that sounds really Mm. flippant but i believe that if it truly is a consciousness expansion and understanding of our spirituality and who we are if it's lsd or psilocybin or dmt or 5-mbo like the frog or uh, some of the new molecules that are coming out. There's uh, 2CB and, of course, MDMA has been around and ketamine. Like any of those with the right therapist, I think, is a bigger question than the right medicine. I do think we're going to find trends that Mm. psilocybin might be best suited to depression and uh, MDMA might be best suited to PTSD, as MAPS is working on in the States. But I've seen PTSD dealt with by psilocybin and depression dealt with by MDMA. So it really is so much about what is that person's personal um, journey and what is happening. And then are they able to process that with the right community or the right person as a therapist to walk them through that? Um, But I do think that it's a very exciting landscape because there is all these molecules that some of them haven't even been invented yet that uh, people are discovering. Uh, One of the trends that concerns me is a push to de-psychedelic the psychedelic, where they're taking the trip or the hallucinogenic part of the molecule out. So for example, an LSD that only works on the neurological pathway without any uh, conscious distortion of visuals or spiritual. Mm, mm -hmm. So it's really that that to me is like, why (laughs) like the whole process of the psychedelic is to dive deep into the spiritual side uh so to to neutralize it and just create another pill maybe it's effective i don't know i don't want to you know throw the whole thing under the bus but (laughs) i I feel like we why not embrace what nature has given us work of it and really develop it figure it out so yeah my rabbit trails (laughs) that's great one final question for you here, and then we'll wrap this up because apparently I'm using the time limited version of Zoom, and it's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> um, you, you talked about following up with processing the after the experience, um, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely agree. I think that that is something that I've seen. If I had to criticize, which I'm not. That's not what I'm looking to do, but I often see that the reintegration after a psychedelic psychedelic experience is sometimes lacking. So, with what you're doing, is it, are you following up then with the patients after their experiences? Yeah, 
for sure. Like with the Section 56 exemptions for the palliative care clients, they're tightly connected to a psychiatrist and to support staff. We have a, a brilliant support staff who uh, is the relational side. And if these people have trouble or sometimes they're coming back for a second session, there's that allowance within the Health Canada provision. Um, so we've had some people come back for a second session. Um, but yeah, there's continued relationship. Um, and one of the things I'd like to add to that down the road is that even with our therapists, we're going to be putting those through in groups. So not only they're coming to us for that integration and that support afterwards, but they also have each other uh, in peer support groups. And we feel like that's a really important piece mm, totally. um, where they have, where they have each other to call each other up and go for coffee or whatever it is. And in a real world uh, relational model of getting better and helping life be more joyful and uh, able to cope with the pressures because there's people that understand you. There's people that have been through this with you uh, in addition to the support you have from, from your own yeah, therapist. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a huge part. I, just, just providing, I've, I've seen ketamine clinics. I've talked to people that have gone to them and not all ketamine clinics are like this, but some of them that are operating right now, you go in and pay your thousand dollars for a session or whatever it is. And they put you in a room and you're by yourself for four hours. And when you're done, cause the time is up, you need to get out for the next client. They need the room and they get kicked out of the office and they're on the street. I heard one guy was on the street in New York city, still tripping on ketamine. And he's like, if he hadn't been experienced, he would have really freaked out. He's sitting there on fifth oh, and trying to figure out what the meaning of life is. And there's no aftercare. It's just, you go and get the treatment and leave. And I, I really yeah. hope that this, this industry, if you want to call it that, finds the reality of the importance of that pre and post care, that it's not just about taking a trip with a psychedelic medicine. It's about a whole process of growing up as a human into this new realities of consciousness. And that just doesn't come with an eight hour trip or a four hour whatever. It takes, it's, it's a long process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good for you. I'm so I'm so stoked about all of this. This is really exciting. And uh, I really appreciate that you would take the time to come on our podcast today. I think often, like we said, it just takes about, uh, exposing people to new information, having conversations like these, and that can really catalyze that change in the right direction. So totally. really appreciate it, David. Yeah, thank you for what you do. We need to get the word out and so one of my friends said, every time we talk about this, it moves the needle a little bit forward. So just I think so, opening yeah. up conversations and we've seen it exponentially growing in the conversations we're having. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for making this public. For sure. Yeah. Maybe at some point we can come back when I'll get upgrade to the pro version of Zoom so we can have <laughs> a longer conversation here. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again, David. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave us a review. You can find us online at www.elysiumproject.ca.